0: welcome into the paul kuharski podcast i'm paul kuharski of paul i've done the three mentions of my name in a hurry uh, before that i cleared my throat and drank some water so uh we're ready to roll as the tennessee titans get ready for a trip to jacksonville with the season on the line i know all of you are just banking on this team all of a sudden finding a winning ways and becoming AFC South champions, as opposed to cleaning out their lockers and uh, heading home for the season on a seven-game losing streak. Seven-game losing streak would be the second longest in the history of the team in Tennessee. They've had several six-game losing streaks, several five-game losing streaks, but a 10-game losing streak is the longest in team history. That's 2014 under Ken Wisenhunt, when they went two and 14, earning the draft pick that uh, they used on Marcus Mariota, number two overall. Um, And sadly, uh, if you read at paulkuharski.com, I wrote a piece this week where um, the offense during this losing streak, current six-game losing streak, is um, comparable to the offense during that 2014 10 game losing streak. That's how bad things have been for the Titans. Lots on the docket here to explore um, as this team heads into this game, um, banking on being healthier. Listen, um, exciting things, changes coming with this podcast starting next week. I shall tease and leave you um, curious, but um, I left out Kick360 to build up this site, and um, this is a big step in that. So um, you will hear and see more of me with this step. Details to come, and stay tuned for next week's podcast which will be earlier in the week if the Titans, in fact, lose their seventh in a row um, and call it a season. Stay tuned, please. One of the big things I've been thinking of this week going into this game is who can the Titans bank on? Who do they trust? Who do you trust to, to lead this team to an improbable win if they're going to find a way? At what I still think of as Altel Stadium. God knows what the name is now. Who do you trust? I I trust Mike Brabel with with time and a healthier team. Um, I, I don't know that I trust him to win it, but I trust him to to give them a a chance. He's got a good record off off buys and mini buys. Um, and they're coming off. Uh You know, they've got not just more rest than Jacksonville, but significantly more rest. They rested guys. They rested their hurt guys. And um, and Jacksonville's playing a a day shorter week, having played Sunday and being asked to turn around and play Saturday while the Titans played Thursday. And again, rested a, a ton of people. So I've got that at the top of my list as I sketched out who to trust here number number two for me jeffrey simmons and Denico autry together i think this game with those two back and as healthy as they've been let's not pretend they're healthy um uh, simmons kind of cocked his head and looked at me funny when i said fresh um uh, he's not fresh he's just the freshest he's been Um, And I completely understand that. But I I think this game will tell us just how bad that ankle has been um, for Simmons because he's had two full weeks off to to rest it. That doesn't heal it, but it gives it a lot of time. Um, And it'll tell us about Autry's knee and more per Shane Bowen, who's indicated he's had a lot of different stuff. Bowen said he's an older guy with a bunch of nagging things. But that he brings that excitement. That he's been a real grump in the training room. I think most guys. Well, some guys stay upbeat in there. But Autry is is not that type. Here's Terrell Williams. Excuse me. The uh, the defensive line coach on the idea of Simmons and Autry together and as healthy as they've been in some time, together and and quote unquote healthy for the first time since October twenty. 23- third against the colts which is when simmons initially hurt his ankle
1: expect those guys to play hard play physical they play well together um you just see them out here on the practice field communicating It's something that we haven't seen because they haven't been practicing um together so I'm really excited to see what those guys can do. And the other thing that people take away from them, with them not being out there together, is just the confidence of the guys behind them looking forward and seeing 96 and 98 out there together. I mean, it gives us all confidence. I know it gives me confidence for sure.
0: I know that you're not practicing full speed or anything like that, but what are they getting We're out of this? We're going these fast enough
1: to, yeah. to, to know that these guys will be ready to go Saturday night.
0: What, how much that. of relief is that to you when, you, well, when you've gone we still gone got along to go that. play
1: the game, but I know that we got uh, those two guys, and you couple them with Walk and and um, and Tart and Strong and Weaver and all these guys, uh, Basham and all these guys that um, are just ready to go play football. So we're excited about Saturday night.
0: I thought that's interesting—the idea of rubbing off on guys behind them, practicing enough to know that they're ready for Saturday night. And then, um, you know, he rattled off the list of depth there on the defensive line. We know this team's got shitty depth a- across the board, but um, DeMarcus Walker, Tier Tart, strong, uh, Rashad Weaver, Terrell Basham, who, who uh, hurt himself this week and, and could actually miss this game. That's a nice list of, uh, of guys who've got a lot of experience as frontliners who can now fall more into uh, depth spots with Simmons and Weaver um, back as uh, as the starters. And so that's a position the Titans are in good shape in. And I'd list that as, uh, player-wise, the number one thing I trust. Uh, number two, I'd put Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard's been, you know, Kevin Byard this season. It, it, but there's a caveat on everybody else I'm going to mention here. And there was a caveat on Simmons and 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 Autry, right? Uh, rested, but still health questions, particularly with Simmons. Byard, you got a caveat because he was he was really bad against Evan Ingram in, in the game against Jacksonville. Just. Uh, few weeks ago, what was it? December 11th, I think. So, and he's got no help. The inside linebackers are a, a bad bunch who are ill-equipped to keep up with somebody like Ingram and Bayard's got to cover Ingram and Bayard covering Ingram means that, you know, a different cast of characters. He can't be involved with their, their wide receivers who are, um were, were quite productive against the Titans in that bunch. Kevin Byard's number two for me. Uh, Maybe you're surprised that Derrick Henry's down at, at third. But look at that offensive line. He had 96 yards in that first game, wound up with what, 121, if I'm remembering correctly. And that offensive line had Ben Jones and Nate Davis. This offensive line is, you know is really a, uh, a a project and a piecemealing project. Um, It's, it's just going to be difficult. We'll get back to it in a little while, but to run with this group against a super motivated Jacksonville front is going to be hard. And, um, you know, Dennis, Daily at left tackle, Aaron Brewer at left guard, Corey Levin at center, Jordan Roos at right guard, Nicholas petit Frere at right tackle with no guarantee about his ankle, um, and uh, LaRaven Clark on call there. That's That's, you know, scary, frankly. And then Henry's had the fumbling problems. You know, I would like you look at him and you say, there's no way he's going to fumble again. But he's had six fumbles, career high, three lost. A lot of that has been recently. You know, physically, I know he understands how to fix it. Mentally, I know he understands how to fix it, but it seems like it's a little bit of a, of a of a mental thing. You would think the Titans be a lot better with Christian Fulton and uh, and Amani Hooker back in the back end, but I worry a little bit about um, how well they're going to hold up right now. Don't don't you? Fulton, uh, you know, he's been out for a long time with that uh, with that groin injury, a long time. Um, that groin injury is with the uh, AJ Brown knocking him over. And then uh, Hooker, you know, he's on the injury report with a knee. He's been limited two days in a row. Everybody's going to play, right? I mean, the two guys who are in in severe doubt. I'm recording this on uh, Thursday morning. Devontae Harris hasn't practiced for two days with the hamstring. Terrell Basham um, with a back limited Tuesday. We think he hurt it on Tuesday and did not practice Wednesday. So that had hurt. But um, you know, not deadly with uh, with the people they have coming back. Everybody else, at worst, has been limited, and you know um, they're cranking up to play. Traylon Burks, we'll get to. Um, but I I just think you 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 look at Fulton and Hooker. Titans obviously a lot better with them on the field. Are they going to be playing anything close to themselves coming off these injuries? And will they, will they make it through the game? So there's kind of my trust index and it's thin. I mean, it's, it's thin. There's not, it's not a long list. Um, They need their big money guys to show up in this game. And, and one of the things about this, this big money concept is, they don't have a lot of big money guys <laughs> right now. Like it's easy thing to say, your big money guys have to show up. I wrote this week about just how much money is on IR. You won't believe the number if you go and read it. And then you combine it with the dead money, and um, you won't believe how little money the Titans actually have on the field. But in terms of uh, cap dollars. And base salary, but we'll go and order a cap dollar. Henry, Autry, Woods, Bayard, Simmons, who doesn't make a lot of money, Hooker, Hooper, Swain, Burks, Bullock. They're top guys. Those guys need to play well. Those guys need to carry this team. And um, you know, look, Henry, Autry. You can expect Woods, I don't know, so Woods going to have the game of his life here after what we've seen Bayard, you'd expect Simmons, you'd expect Hooker. we just talked about the injuries. Hooper and Swain. I don't know how much you're getting out of them. Burks has a groin injury now. Randy Bullock can't hit from over forty five when those are your big money guys that that's uh that's an issue. That's an issue. This team has talked over and over, about leaning more on Traylon Burks and Chigga Here's Todd Downing on those guys.
2: Yeah, we hope so, and we certainly have made attempts to. Uh, just because the production hasn't been there doesn't mean the effort hasn't. So
1: uh, we're always looking for ways to get our playmakers the football, and, and this week uh, certainly that's that's paramount.
0: We certainly have made attempts to go to them. Just because production hasn't been there doesn't mean the effort hasn't. I I don't care about the effort. I don't care that you're trying to go to them. Go to them. Go to them. If you go down to, to Northern Florida and lose to the Jaguars without really targeting Burks and Chig, your two most explosive players, That's malpractice. I'll I'll use Mark Howard. Rest in peace, Mark. I'll use one of Mark Howard's favorite sayings. That's coaching malpractice. They've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And they've never really gotten to it. I can understand a little bit with Burks because Burks has missed so much time hurt. Chig has not. Throw the damn ball to those two guys. Now, look, I understand that that sometimes plays don't pan out as you would want them to pan out. And so you can't just always wind up with those guys. Call a lot of plays that feature them as the first read for Josh Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs. Call a lot of plays that feature them as the first read. Go into the game intent on getting them the ball. Downing talked also about, you know, the game plan featuring enough stuff for everybody
2: it's hard to put a certain rep count uh you know goal if you will because you don't know how the game's gonna go you know and uh so what you try to do is as your game plan and you try to balance it out or handle it within those personnel groupings to say okay we have enough in the game plan for so and so we have enough in the game plan for so and so and, and it kind of uh, you know matures from there, so uh, it's all part of the process of figuring out you know what tools are going to be available and
0: you know how we can use them. So they wraps in there enough in the game plan for so and so. I don't care about there being enough in the game plan for for some guys. You know, it's like um, I've seen a a, a special. Um, I, I watch some of these "How Things Are Built" specials. I saw one lately on uh, on this amazing, um, like city center cultural center in Athens, and the earthquake proof stuff. You know, if if this part of the building over here is particularly shaken by an earthquake, you know, it's it's covered by by these rolling foundation things that cover it over here. I feel like that's the Titans offense, like everything's covered. I'm okay if the Titans offense comes down. I'm not okay with it. It's the way it works. If the Titans offense is reliant on Jeff Swain, if the Titans offense is reliant on, on people other than Burks and Chig, The building's going to crash. It's not this earthquake proof thing. It's not this balanced rolling thing. It's top heavy. It's top heavy. Go to the top people. I just don't understand why they can't force it more. Other teams force it more. They seem so intent on not forcing it that they don't emphasize their best people enough. And Vrabel talks about that. Vrabel talks about you need your best players to play their best, but then they don't give some of their best players enough of a chance. I don't see how they win this game without Henry and Traylon Burks and Chigakonquo being the three biggest factors on offense. Shifting on some people are, are, uh, Okay with the idea of the Titans losing this game because it gets them better draft position. This better draft position stuff is so ridiculous. Go root for your team to win. It's a 17 game season. Now, if your team is, you know, old school Detroit or old school Jets, you know, and and you're in range of of uh, <clears throat> our current school, Houston, and you're in range of the best quarterback in the draft. I can see rooting for losses, but but if you think that this team drafting eleventh, which it is now, versus you know, I don't know, nineteenth, twenty second, whatever it would be. Is going to be the difference in in, in a in a rebuilding. I, I think you just kind of miss the boat. And and if you're if you're a member, if you become a member, you go to the private Facebook page. I initiated a discussion of this lately. I'll just give you a bullet point on this. Like if you go to 2014, and you can do this with any year, right? You could say, if only St. Louis, Jacksonville, Cleveland, and Detroit had lost enough games to get ahead of pick 13 so they could have drafted Aaron Donald. Oh, they all did. St. Louis passed on him at number two and took Greg Robinson. The Jaguars took Blake Bortles at number three. The Browns took Justin Gilbert at number nine. And the Lions took Eric Ebron at 10. They all lost enough games to get Donald. They just weren't smart enough to take Donald. It, it's an art, not a science, and their art wasn't good enough. You can do this in every draft, multiple times in the same draft. So it's not about the spot all the time. I mean, it's about the spot, obviously, up at the top of the draft with clear-cut guys. And even those are fewer and fewer, it seems like. But it's about nailing it at the spot. Don't draft duds like Isaiah Wilson at the spot, like Dylan Radins at the spot, like Darrington Evans, like Des Fitzpatrick. When your spot comes, hit more home runs and triples and doubles and even singles. Strike out less, foul the ball off less. It's not as much about the position of the pick as it is about doing something effective with the pick. Now, if they can get to a place where they're doing something effective with the pick, then maybe you say. But if you go through Titans drafts of the past, if you look at the entire draft of a certain year, it could be 13 15 spots between good players in the in the first round in the second round for sure in the third round for sure in the fourth round for sure find your guy and and go get him and don't trade up for crap like des fitzpatrick don't worry about the spot so much worry about what they do with the spot this is my advice on rooting for a draft pick I can't imagine if you're a fan of this team going into Saturday and and somehow rooting for them not to win because you want a draft pick. Don't let the offseason overcome the season. They play 17 times. It's not a lot. It's 52 weeks in a year. 17 weeks with a game in it. I'm no math magician. I got a calculator in front of me. It's 32% of of, of football. You get football 32% of of your Sundays, regular season, 32%. And and everybody loves it. They miss it when it's gone. But you're going to sacrifice rooting for your team to win. Obsessing about the draft. Don't let the draft trump the football. It's dumb. At pk.com this week, uh, I mentioned this. See just how bad this offense is during the losing streak, how it compares to what this franchise was doing in 2014 when it lost its final 10 games in a two and 14 season under Ken Wisenhunt. Um, Here's a free piece about Demar Hamlin. Like, why is everybody got to say? Why does everybody have to say something about Demar Hamlin while he's down on the field, while he's being carted off in an ambulance? Is there no time for for silence anymore? I'm a guy with a lot to say. I didn't think for a second about tweeting anything about Demar Hamlin. Everybody doesn't need to know that I'm praying. Everybody doesn't need to know that I've never seen anything like it, which is what everybody was saying. And by the way, Christian Erickson. Uh, the Dan- Danish soccer player had a heart attack on the field just 19 months ago. Everybody was talking about it. It, w- it was like the Damar Hamlin situation. So saying you haven't seen anything like it shows a poor memory. But everybody had to jump up and down, wave their arms, and say, "Yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm emotional too. I'm, uh, I, I'm sad too. I'm praying too. I'm, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say." I I can't stand reading tweets from people saying I don't know what to say, and particularly the reporting community. If you don't have anything to contribute to a conversation, don't be in the conversation. That's a time to back off and let Bill's reporters and Bengals reporters have the floor. I got a lot of shit for this piece from one or two people at the beginning, and then a flood of other people came in, including a bunch of media colleagues telling me they thought it was a good piece and good job. How much money's on IR? That piece is up at paulkujerski.com. You should read it. It's remarkable statistics. Not just how much is on IR. How little is on the field when you add up the IR money and the dead money? You won't believe how little of the Titans' salary cap is on the field right now. Josh Dobbs has a confident calm, but they've got to clean up around him. There's been a penalty or a sack on the first drive and five of these six losses. They keep talking about how they can't do it. They keep doing it, keep doing it. I mean, I I don't know what the shakeup I'm looking for there is, but you can't just keep saying we can't do it and then do it. Mike Herndon wrote uh, about Dobbs with a lot of film showing the good and the bad. Blake Bettingfield's got a piece up about all the key matchups from this game. As I said, new, exciting, expanded things coming for the pod starting next week. If you're interested in being a part of it as a sponsor, which could include me broadcasting from your your business, your your restaurant, your bar, wherever we can be creative. Email me, please, pkuharski at gmail.com. Pkuharski at gmail.com. Jaguars offense. Look, Trevor Lawrence is a problem. He's he's turning into, he's turned into the guy that we thought he was going to be. And um that's a problem for the Titans who are giving up big plays. Um, yeah, pass rush should be better. We talked about Simmons and Autry. Secondary should be better. Fulton and, uh, and Hooker back. But um, odds are he finds a way to to make some killer plays. Um, And odds are he's better at that than his counterpart, Joshua Dobbs. We'll talk about him in a second. Evan Ingram torched the Titans last time. 11 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns. Since then, in two or three games, and the Houston game didn't, didn't mean much, obviously, though they won it handily. Against Dallas, he had eight catches for 62 yards. Against the Jets, he had seven catches for 113 yards. Bayard really struggled against him. There's no David Long, again, here to uh, who would be good at matching up. The Titans inside linebackers are just not equipped to compete with a guy like this. Monty Rice and Dylan Cole are listed as the, as the starters. Uh, Gibbons was really good with Cole out. Cole was admittedly horrific against the Jaguars. But all three of these guys are are more run guys than pass guys. And you can't like the idea of any of them having to turn and run with Evan Ingram. Jaguars have to come in thinking again that this is a very, very favorable matchup. And just listen to Shane Bowen uh, just very casually rattle off what Ingram did to them last time.
2: I mean, I think there was a lot of run after the catch. He had the one play down in the end zone um, where he went up and caught it and made a play. Um, I thought we were in pretty good coverage and we just didn't make it and he made it, um, which good players do. Um, but there was a lot of catch and run elements to it. There was the under in the in the red zone that he caught and ran in on us. There was the two minute one, a third and short that he ran the juke route, caught it, and ran for another 20. Um, the screen was another big play for him. So. Um, when he has the ball in his hands he's he's tough to deal with in the open field and he's able to create yards you know so we got to do a good job challenging him at line of scrimmage i felt like he he won he won some of those one on one matchups and was able to get the ball in his hands and do what he does and
0: that that's kind of exhausting to listen to um and and bowen's obviously uh you know these guys have amazing recall for what's happened to them in games but uh Sounds exhausting from his point of view as well. Now, typically you go into a game like this. We do expecting like, well, Ingram killed them. So he's going to kill them again. And that may be the case or the Titans could devote such resources to Ingram that, uh, you know, they, they somehow slow him and suffer more from Christian Kirk and, and Zay Jones and Travis Etienne. but, Jaguars have no lack of weapons, uh, unlike the Titans in this game. A few words about uh, Taylor Lewan. Nobody loves Taylor Lewan more than I do. Listen, uh, the guy's a phenomenal quote at his best. He was an excellent player, but the end is nigh, and and he's been talking about that. <laughs> Excuse me, he doesn't expect to be back with this team. Um. Bussing with the boys, his uh his podcast and broadcast, apparently. And I, I apologize that I did not watch the um the, the video that he put out with a plea, which I'm sure was uh at least partially comedic, for people to join their um high high-level membership. But um Taylor Lewand's made north of 85 million dollars. Um, so asking for subs to to the executive level, if you will, of busting with the boys, I don't know. I find it unbecoming i I ask you for money for my content, uh about half of what they're asking for, and they've got good content, and I understand people love it, but uh I'm looking to make a living. making a living, will Compton, you know has millions in the bank as well. I just don't think it's a great look. He's really playing out the drama too. Uh, and he he's good at that uh, about, you know, his expectation to be cut, which I think is on the idea of maybe going somewhere else, which I, I don't expect. Um, but let's talk just for a second about this idea of, of uh, a cheap return to the Titans. So many people, have this desire to see him back on a redone contract they could save 14 million i believe by cutting him with no dead money which is why it's a no-brainer to move on from him Um, there are not a lot of examples of this thing that people want to see i I, I can't think of a single titans example where you take a 14 million dollar guy and uh, you wash away his contract and he comes back for $3 million um, to compete with, uh, with a new left tackle with the potential for him to be um, your third tackle, your swing tackle. Then you got a former big money guy, a big talker who's potentially going to be a backup if, uh, if that's how it plays out. We really think that's going to work in terms of uh, – I look, I understand they need all the offensive line talent they can get. But what's he going to do then? Hi, hide from the media and low-key bussing from the boys to make um, a low salary with a knee that the Titans can't count on that could go – you know, conceivably at any time after Victor and ACL a couple of years ago and needed a redo after this year. I just don't think that's at all feasible. I think that's a pipe dream. I think that's, you know, I understand why you might want that based on the Titans' lack of talent and their need to redo the, the, the entire offensive line. And also out of some love for Lawan, who's been a great guy to, to have on the team. Nobody was going to miss him more than I am. <clears throat> but I just don't think it's feasible. I just don't think it's feasible. Derrick Henry, we mentioned six fumbles this year, career high. Three of them lost most of this recent. Um. Tony Dews, his position coach, discussed it in, uh, in great detail.
2: It really, is just a reminder of the, the fundamentals and techniques of carrying the football, you know, uh, in terms of keeping his wrist above the, ball the elbow, keeping a point of the ball up, and then, you know, uh, some fumbles happen. I mean, some things happen, but it, you always go back to fundamentals and techniques. So, really, it's just carrying the ball the proper way, squeezing it, uh, not putting it in jeopardy uh when he's running then obviously some of it is when you're fighting through tackles and fighting for for to break tackles you know the second and third guy in, just like our guys coach they're coming in gripping at the ball punching at the ball so just being cognizant and just really more than anything just a, a constant reminder that the second and third guys coming in and they're trying to get the ball and if the ball's away from your body or your, or your wrist is low uh your forearm is flat that you're giving them more uh ball it's the ball is exposed more i should say so keeping your wrist up the point up and then keeping the ball tight to your body and then the then the, the next layer of that is pad level by getting his pads over now they're hitting the top of your shoulder pads as opposed to having the ball exposed because my, my body's upright, my pads are high.
0: so You know, that description goes a little bit beyond the norm with the nice description of the surface area and the low wrist and the flat forearm and the problems they can create. Um, it, it, It can't be a problem for him. And I think, you know, obviously it's a physical thing if you if you fumble at this point. But there is a similarity to some of these where he's getting caught from behind by a guy he doesn't necessarily see. And you have to be ready for that because there are going to be guys catching up to him on these these kind of runs um, where where they're going to be attacking the ball. And he's got to just be ready for it in the way he's protecting the ball. And you wonder how much of that is a is a mental thing. Um, at this point. And uh, he can't be fumbling down in Duval, back in his uh, his home home area, neck of the woods where he's from. That's it's somewhat symbolic of uh, of the team's overall struggles. Kevin Carter, the offensive line coach. Um, you know, he's got we talked about that line, five guys um who haven't played together and i've played one game together now but you know teams spend seasons getting uh, that five guys to play together like like one and there's so much that goes into the chemistry build there and um when when you're scrambling to piece the thing together it's an awfully big challenge he spoke a little bit about that this week
1: Certainly has its challenges. The good news is, is you know, these guys for the most part know each other well and they have some history. Um, You know, Corey was here four or five years ago and has come back to us and Bruce has been here a while and stuff like that. So we're fortunate to have some carryover. Um, But uh, I think, you know, this is a new group and I think we have to show another step of improvement as a new five this week to get done what we need to get done.
0: New step of improvement you know, maybe uh, an understatement. Look, the the line isn't the reason necessarily that the Titans lost to Dallas, um, but it is, um, it is a reason that the Titans aren't thriving, obviously. It's a reason to have doubts about their ability to run the ball in Jacksonville. It's a reason to have doubts about... Uh, Joshua Dobbs having sufficient time to throw the ball in Jacksonville. Everybody knows the degree of the Dennis Daly problem. Um, and, and Carter says he's, uh, you know, been okay. Run blocking it's the pass protection. Mike Herndon put out a tweet, um, uh, in relation to that Carter comment about Daly that I tweeted out saying, you know, this is the problem with the, the serious commitment to the run where, they'll take a moderately better run blocker at the expense of of the pass protection which then you know has such a big trickle down effect i asked when aaron brewer won left guard you know if the titans ultimately were worried that aaron brewer um who's 6-1 and 295 would wear down as the season went on And I think he, you know, nobody's going to say it. I think he's worn down. I think he's tired and he's worn down and it's an issue. I think there's more on his plate. Now he's playing center. He's replacing Ben Jones, who, you know, is the key to that offensive line. And, um, you know, he's being asked to do more than, than he can do. And now, you know, he doesn't have Nate Davis beside him, who's who's the best offensive lineman on the team. <clears throat> it's just a struggle, and uh, offensive line. That going to be the reason they win this game? Because they don't play. If it if if it's a reason that they win this game, it's because they don't play as poorly as everybody expects. Joshua Dobbs, look, I understand why people were enthusiastic about what he did, but we've got to remember that we're judging him against the Malik Willis standard. He played significantly better than Malik Willis, but he was 20 for 39, 20 for 39, under 50% for 232 yards, a touchdown to Robert Woods, a pick, a lost fumble, 67.5 passer rating, three runs for 12 yards. Hit on three passes that wound up going for 30 yards or more. Those count. The only deep throw was, was to Racy McMath. The other two were shorter passes that wound up with good yak. Like I said, those count. That's fine. I, 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 I tend to think a second start for a guy like Dobbs without a lot of experience, he could bring juice. He can bring enthusiasm. He could bring energy. Those are all important. And also bring another interception. Can also get sacked and and maybe fumble. Uh, you know they scored thirteen points, and and this team Blake Bettingfield writes this week The the defense has to keep the Jags under twenty, and and the Titans have to find a way to to score up there. And I, I think the expectations are too high for Josh Dobbs. He's encouraging guy as a potential backup, but. I think it's awfully tough for him to go down to Jacksonville and light it up. And, uh, you know, light it up probably isn't, isn't the standard the Titans are looking for. I think it's – Titans need it. But he's got to play a clean game. Uh, he can't be turning the ball over. Um, I think they've turned the ball over 10 times since week 14. It's a lot. And uh, he needs to be better. And a 67.5 passer rating is is not the department we're talking about. You know, high 80s, low 90s, might give him a chance. Injuries. I won't be surprised if uh, Petit Frere can't go or can't finish. And Lorayven Clark gets called into duty. And Traylon Burks popped up on um, Wednesday on the injury report with a groin. He was limited. Yeah, I would think that, you know, barring a severe development, he's playing. But, you know, there's a groin that limits him, affect his game. You know, it's, it's possible. And that's a bad development for a team that, as I said earlier, needs to rely on him and Chig and go to them a lot. And this receiving core is bad with Burks, without Burks or with a limited Burks or with the Burks that could only play X number of snaps, they got big problems. We'll be monitoring that for sure. Keep in mind that, you know, the Jaguars, when they beat the Titans badly, what was it? 36, 22. They were missing Andre Cisco, pretty good safety, Chad Muma, a linebacker, also a run stuffing defensive tackle. Corey Peters was inactive. Muma is the kind of cover linebacker the Titans are missing for Evan Ingram. Blake Bettingfield Right. Ra- ra- rates Cisco is a star. He's aggressive around the line and a good blitzer. So we'll look for him to be a factor with Henry. But the Titans aren't the only team taking the field Saturday who are uh who's getting something back that they didn't have on the field in that game. Um and we tend to not think about those kind of things. I've got more stats here uh, than I want. I've got four. I'm going to cut it down to three. 27 of the 51 players currently on the Titans roster, they're down two spots, arrived here this year. 53%. Now, th- there are three guys who are on that list also. Uh, You know, is arriving this year, Kalu, Mabin, and Munyer, but they've been here before. So it took them off the list. 27 of the 51 players currently on the roster arrived here this year. 53% of the team is is brand new. Jaguars' third down conversion rate of 47% in the second half this season is tied for the second best in the NFL. The league average is. 38%. 38%. They're 9% better than the league average at third down conversions in the second half. And we know the Titans' offense in the second half is not good. If the Jaguars' offense is that good in the second half while the Titans do what they do in the second half, I don't need to tell you that that is a recipe for a disaster. And I did have this right. The Titans have committed 10 turnovers since week 14. 10 turnovers since week 14, tied for the second most in the NFL. Denver has 11. Denver, which fired their coach. 11 turnovers since week 14. Tampa Bay also has 10. Not a list you want to be on. Not a list you want to be on. If you're not a member of paulkuharski.com, I'm telling you, there's great value there. You read me you read mike herndon you read blake beddingfield and we're heading into if this is the last game an off season of great intrigue they're going to be coaching moves probably <clears throat> there's a gm coming in there's a philosophy to be established i'm going to be all over that stuff and telling you what everything they do means come get aboard be part of the conversation um it's easy cheap and uh, top flight. Don't block the box and do lock the locks. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening.